0: Parshat Ray actually boasts of the whole second half being something that we're, or the like, the final third of Parshat Ray being something that in Chutzlarts we're very very familiar with. seems to think anomaly in Eretz not at all, because the the last third of Parshat Re, uh, which is from the middle of Perak Yedaleh till the end of the parsha, is something that is read in Chutzlarts on the eighth day of Pesach. Um, it's read in the shortened form, if it's during the week, but like the last two years, when it was on Shabbat, we had the longer form, Aserta ser It's read on the second day of Shavuot. Again, same thing, the short form during the week, but on when second day of Shavuot, on Shabbat. The longer form. And the longer form is always read on Shemini Um In Eretz Israel, we never read it, except for our Parshat because the seventh day of Pesach is it, B'Shalach. Shavuot's one day, La and Shemini Yatseret is V'zolta Brachat, Semchas right? So it's, it's one of these kind of curious pieces. Um, but I want to take a look at a passage that is before it, although it may have some impact on it. Ra'e is, as, we, as I presented last year, two years ago really, is um, the development, Moshe Rabbeinu's um, uh, expounding and expansion on the di HaDibrot. And we saw that, like, the beginning of Vatchanan of, of and Ekev, are focused around the Dibrot of Anochi and L'Yelacha, because they focus focused on Avodah Zara. The beginning of R'e continues that, and then it moves on to Shem Hashem. Because Lotisat Shem Hashem, that's not enough, as explains, there's also the Makom HaSheiv Hashem, the Shakein Shemosham, and the two issues kind of bleed over, Avodah Zara and Kvod Shem Hashem, continue to sort of interact. We have all these halachot of, and and then subsequently, the end of the parashat, the part that we're familiar with, really is, in a sense, an expansion on the Debra about Shabbat, because it goes through the seasons. And the idea of Shemitah, and the idea of a Shabbat for Avadim, they work six years, on the seventh year they go free, and then the Regalim. In the middle we have this section that you have on the handout as section Aleph which is um, actually, in the way we divide it up, it's one whole aliyah, it's the fourth aliyah. And it begins, <laughs> And then there's a list of, it's very familiar to us, a list of those animals, fish, and birds that we're allowed to, or not allowed to eat, depending on what the nature of the list is, Which is familiar to us because we heard it already in Parshat Shmini, Kinda, sorta. Not exactly. And the last pasuk, which I made larger again, um, is um, a pasuk that shows up with slight variations in three places in the Torah, Mishpatim and Kitisa, not in Shemini, but here, which is the prohibition against eating in the Vela, but the fact you could sell it or give it to a non-Jew, a Ger or Toshav or a Goy. Right, and then the la- and the end of it, of course, famously is lotvash shogdi vachalevimo, and that's the end of the aliyah. Right? By the way, every time that shows up, it's an end of an aliyah. Just a, a reminder. Um, so this interspersion in the middle of the development of hamakom hashivchar Hashem and the prohibition against Abu zarah, on the one hand. And then the expansion of the calendar and the development of the Shnata Maser and the Shnata Shemitah, Shemitah Ksafim, and the six years for the Eved, etc., then going to the Regalim, it's kind of a weird piece in the middle. But the thing I want to focus on is just the first four words. What does that mean? What does that mean? We're all sons of God. Right. So when Moshe talks to Ben Yisrael and says, You're all sons of Hashem. Okay? A nice statement. What it's doing here is not exactly clear, because it's a statement that could be made anywhere, certainly anywhere in Moshe's speech, and it's the only place that that particular phrase is made. But the, what follows it is even stranger. Because you would think, And then, Hashem. Something about the relationship either between you and each other, or between you and Hashem. Instead, you get, now, lotit go to do is widely understood, and everybody seems to accept this as pshat. As and this is the way it talachically learned as the prohibition against cutting yourself in response to a death in the family. The uh, common custom, and we're familiar with it also from the Nevi'im. If you recall, in that very famous story of Eliyahu and Har Carmel, when he has the God off with the uh, with the Nevim, and he has them go first and they're praying and they're doing all of their whatever they're doing, in order to try to get heavenly fire to come down and consume the animal. Uh, he makes fun of them and he says you better call louder, perhaps he's on a walk, perhaps he's sleeping. Very cute. And then Vikodudu Kimishpatan says they cut themselves per machin was spears or something, as was their custom. So in other words, it was a pagan custom to do this. There it was part of a prayer ritual. Here it seems to be connected to mourning because of the connection Korcha Korhabin Nechem would mean to have some sort of a, a bald spot, sort of a, or a, or a sort of picture of uh, Far Eastern monks. I mean, a bald spot at one particular place in the, on the head uh, as a sign of Mamet. Okay, so what everybody, who's anybody, has raised their hands and says, is I don't get what the connection within the Pasuk is. Forget about the larger question, which is, why is Banim Atem Lashem in the middle of this Parsha? What's the connection within the Pasuk? All right, so we have many Pasukim, uh, especially if you think about it in Parshat Kedoshim, uh, a little bit in Parshat Mishpatim, in Parshat Kedoshim, um, where there is a particular mitzvah given, and Pasha Bahar also, and then there's some sort of an explanation given to that mitzvah, why we're obligated to follow that mitzvah. Uh, So, for instance, uh, So there's some sort of a motivation there, you know, even though nobody else sees you, God sees you, right? Or or um, uh, and there's some sort of a symbiotic connection between the two. In that case, the famous drasha that even if your parents tell you to halal you're not. So when we have these various items together in a pasuk, either one is explaining the other, or else one is balancing the other, or or one is sort of a symmetrically related to the to the other. For instance, mikdashitirau veshabtutaytishmor so that led to the famous notion of Shabbat as sort of a mikdash in time, relative to the mikdash and in mikdash in space, and that whole sort of symbiotic or symmetrical relationship. So then we come back to our pasuk and kind of wonder why does it say um, All right, and then what's it go to do? How are the two related to each other? Okay, so. If you take a look on the back, you will see that I listed uh, Sheish Kishot. Shesh Kishot meaning six different approaches, uh, but you'll will see that there's a positive of sources. There's not a positive of sources. there's a, there's anything but. Uh, however, uh, you'll see why I put six. All right, so we start, of course, start with Rashi. How does Rashi explain this connection of Lotit to do? Banima go to do? So first Rashi explains what go to do is, again, cutting yourself, right? And and he says the following: Don't put a cutting in your flesh. I'll mate when somebody dies. This is a Canaanite pagan custom. You avoid it. And now he he's just explaining what Loti go do is. How does this connect with Banim Atem? You are God's children. So what? since you are God's children you have to look nice and respectable and well-kempt and groomed you represent God so you represent God you can't be walking around all cut up and all damaged like that right? which by the way assumes several things it assumes something in general about comportment which is that a person as part of being Hashem, should, in general be well-groomed and well-dressed and look kempt and look like a dignified person, okay? The second thing is that there's something inherently unkempt about this, which I think the pagans would probably disagree about, because they say, well, this is part of our religious customs, so, you know, it's, a, it's a part of what we do. So, the, so Rashi's answer would then be, yes, but given that we're not going to do it in that fa- because of that fashion, so now it just looks like somebody who's looking terrible and you're a child of Hashem. You should not. Uh, you should not be not not be dressed that way. Not look that way. That's answer number one. What? So Rashi therefore would not make that distinction, right? In other words, Rashi would say yes. The motivation for somebody cutting themselves would be death, and perhaps the makot would only come if it was a response to death. But the reason for the mitzvah is not about the what caused you to cut yourself, but the very fact of being cut. You should not walk around looking like a terribly unkempt, uh, you know, person, all cut up and bleeding and torn clothes and all that kind of stuff. You're a child of God. Right? Sure. You are someone unkempt, exactly. Right. And so, therefore, by the way, the the Gemara says an interesting thing: al l'hamet. The ain't only dark hair Mori. It's a fascinating statement because you think about it, and you think about Kriya as an. I'll explain a minute. You think about Kriya, Kriya tearing clothes as an inherently Jewish custom.
1: Not shaving. Uh, It's not
0: what. Not shaving. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about the 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 Kriya. You have to remember shaving also is a very different thing today. We still don't shave, but it's a very different thing today than the society in which people shave typically once a week. You know what you would look like, right? But um, but. But as far as Kriya goes, we think of Kriya as such an inherently Jewish thing that when we observe people who are, let's say, less than fully observant at a funeral, typically it happens with a family, like most of our families, that have some non-observant family members, and they do this little ribbon thing that they cut, and we say, ah, oh, it's not real Kriya. Real Kriya is like, you know, like this. But the Gemara goes in the opposite direction. The Gemara says, Mikarina mori, which means, don't think it's a Goyish custom. It's okay, it's a Jewish custom, Right? By the way, if you look in Tanakh, you see Kriyat al was something that was universal. Everybody, when they, not just for dead, for bad news, they would rend their clothes. That right, is a sign of like the world being broken. Um, so I've read, unless you said, the marking on your, on your head is yeah. connected to this look of uh, dignity. It could be. Rashi's take on it is of dignity. Which means, by the way, again, that Rashi, although may have to say halachically, that the, that the makot you would get for violating the law and the Torah would only be al that's a discussion in my makot, but that the problem is a problem that's at any time, the way he's describing it. Ibn Ezra comes along, we're going pretty much in, um, with one skip here, we're going pretty much in chronological order, the Ibn Ezra turns around and says the following, the uh, bani, look on the second line, a fascinating statement, but I want you to notice that everybody here is concerned with the following. What is the connection between banim atem and multigodidim? How does the fact that you're Hashem's children inform the fact that you shouldn't cut yourself over the dead? So Rashi's take is you should never cut yourself. You should never look that way. Okay. Uh, maybe someone can borrow them. Okay. Um, it says, He says, Avla Ben." In other words, you know that Hashem is your father, and he loves you more than any parent could love a child. Altiko to do Alkomashiaseh. Now Alkomashiase now means death is the extreme, but anything. In other words, don't get too worked up about anything bad that happens. Now there's something very consoling about this and something that seems a little bit harsh about this, but here's the whole statement. He call Asheyase Anything that God does is ultimately for the good, because He loves you. And therefore, no matter how painful and difficult it may feel, take that into account, and therefore the Bani Matem should prevent you from Lotit But Now Lotit Godu is not about appearance, it's about reaction. And it's about saying, your reaction should never be so overwhelmed, or so ta- so drowning in sorrow, that you would do something like that to yourself, because you should always take into account that it, 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 there must be some good in it, or it's for the best. right? Which, of course, is a very, very difficult thing to say. It's something no person in their right mind would ever say to a person sitting in Shiva, or to a person who's just suffered a loss. Well, it's the same impulse as Baratheon Emet. and that's a little bit different. Our plan is saying you're a true judge, which means this is a really hard thing, a real difficult thing. I know you judge truthfully, and that's different than saying it's all good. Right? And that's why we have the Mishnah talks about but this is the way the Ivan explains it. Alright? Just like little kids don't understand when their parent does something, you know, a little kid doesn't get it when their parent grabs them and pulls them from running into the from the, running in the street. They get much, much older and they understand you saved my life, or when the parent does some sort of disciplinary action which will teach the kid to never put his hand on a stove, right? That sort of thing. The kid doesn't get it, and the kid's upset, but if you think about it, well, was my parent, they obviously mean the best for me, so they won't get that upset about it. Kain tasugam gamatem ki kadosh Now, the second half of the pasuk comes in here. Rashi didn't attach this. But the Menezra attaches the larger view, which is not only, remember, look at the first two psukim on the, on the front side, Banimatem don't do all that stuff, and then ki'am am you're a sanctified nation. So what's the take The take of the sanctified nation component? He says, You're not like the rest of the Canaanim who live here. Meaning, says, because you could turn around and say, well, everybody's children of God. And God does, is the father of all humanity. And therefore, anything that happens to anybody, they shouldn't act that way. So you could turn around and Rashi would say, no, that's not, that's not relevant because we have a particular place in the world. Ibn Ezra would say, achinami. you're right. Except they don't get it. It's very different. According to Ibn Ezra, Ibn Ezra it would be a take of, we are Nam Kadosh, Hashem selected us, because Hashem selected us, we have this heightened awareness of this, and therefore we have to not allow our emotions to carry us so far that it seems as if that we don't get that. Right? Or that we don't have that kind of trust. Ibn Ezra. Now, by the way, the fact, and this, this is what's really, I think... One of the most in- inherently beautiful things about Limura Torah is a book called Mikra Kudelot. What's Mikra It's What they call the Rabbis' Bible, right? You open up a chumash, and what do you see? You see four words, five words, maybe a whole pasuk, and then what? Tons of commentaries. Why are they all there? Because none of them agree with each other. Because if they did, they wouldn't be there. The Ramban never says Ken Katav Rashi Yafem he says, shoot right, and then come Rabbi Avram, and then the Ramban gives his own opinion. The Ramban always starts by quoting Rashi, but he doesn't end with that. And you got the Ezra from his take, and the Rajbam saying, hey, that's what my grandfather says, but I disagree. And and we got this wide tent. And of course, one of the frustrating questions that you get often in, in middle school kids often is, Well, who's right? Who's right? It's not even an irrelevant question. There's a lot of different ways to understand what this pasuk is. Halachically, that's a different question. But as far as parshanut goes, as far as understanding what it means, there's a wide range, and often the statement is as much, uh, the comment is as much a statement about who the Parshan is as as how much he understands it, where he's coming from. But the Ramban turns around and has a different take. Look at source 3. Now that links up with what the Ramban said in his introduction to his commentary to Sefer Dvarim. Sefer Dvarim, there's a brief intro here. Sefer Dvarim is a huge conundrum. Conundrum. Because unlike the first four Sfarim, in which Hashem plays a role as a first person and speaks to us, or, Hashem says to Moshe, tell Bnei Israel the following that I've said, Sefer Tvarim is all presented as Bivre Moshe. And the Gemara says that. The Gemara distinguishes between the rest of the Torah and Tvarim, in both, both ways. It regards it as Moshe Mepiat famous statement of Abaye, Moshe speaking on his own. And in which case, why is it canonized? It's canonized because Hashem said, Shkoyach, good gazovt because, you know, of course, Hashem really speaks Yiddish, right? Hashem, good Kazakh, you right? And putting the gushpanka, but not that it was originally, or that it's somehow Moshe speaking, but, you know, in, in sort of a different format. But everybody understands, Chazal, from A to Z, understand that Sefer Dvarim is to be dealt with differently. By the way, Chazal understand um, literary uh, orientation of Dvarim differently than the rest of Torah. And therefore, for instance, Rabbi Yehuda, who rejects smuchim, the idea that if two laws are next to each other in the rest of the Torah that that's meaningful, and Dvarim says it is meaningful, because Dvarim is a speech, it's an organized speech. And if things are in a particular sequence, that's for a reason. So the Ramban, uh, who has contend, like everybody else, with the nuances and differences of Sefer Dvarim, uh, the Ramban, in his introduction, talks about the mitzvot in Dvarim. And so some of the mitzvot and Dvarim are clarifications of earlier mitzvot, and some of them are new mitzvot. Okay, so for instance, you have the mitzvah tzitzit and kitetze, which is a clarification and expansion on the mitzvah in Bamidba that we have. So he says, Gamzu mitzvah mevoeret. Mitzvah mevoeret means the Ramban is claiming, Banimatem, and what follows is not new. It's not new. So please tell me where in the first four sfarim you ever find a prohibition to cut your hair when somebody dies, to cut, you know, shave it or rip it out or cut yourself. Okay, the answer is you do, but not exactly. Why? Shamar b'Torah Kohanim. Nachon Mike, right? In Pashat Emor, okay. Lo So in Vayikra, the Kohanim are told that they have to behave a certain way and with a certain level of and not become Tamela mate. Notice that, not become Tamela temel- mate. and they can't do all this cutting and stuff when somebody dies. <that-tropon> <that-tropon> so now, what's happening? Moshe, Moshe, explaining it's not just because Koanim are so hoich, are so high and so sanctified that that's the case uh, now that's a very interesting pick I want you to listen to that phrase again that the Ramban uses who's the Ramban quoting? Korach. he's quoting Korach which means that the Ramban is claiming to some extent that Sefer Varmi is reflective of a minimal acceptance or minimal correctness of Korach's ar- argument minimal, not complete of <laughs> Korach's argument and that therefore what happens is certain laws that apply only to Kohanim are expanded and broadened now to, to apply to everybody so whereas Kohanim we would think of the select class here's the arm, it's a bunch of fighters a bunch of warriors and their families and here's this select class of really only four pe- three people, Aaron and whichever two sons happened to be alive at the time now the when they're gone, then Allah take their place. Never the four of them. So those three, there are priests and they have special laws. All right, and they'll have more kids, but it's always going to be a very small group. Suddenly Aqar Baruch turns around and says, You're all that way. So what's the Banima Tem? The Banim atem is now a promotion. Go and promote promoted To being from Am Hashem to Bine Hashem. Okay? Khukha Koanim. Ken So the Ramban does not connect it with fine grooming that is appropriate for a child of Hashem. The Ramban does not connect it with your attitude towards loss, which is the Ibn Ezra, but rather he makes it a very straightforward statement, which is that you're basically, the Torah is expanding the laws of the Kohanim to all of Bnei Israel now. Which, by the way, just going back to Korach for one minute, Parshat Korach is immediately after Shlach. What's the very last thing in Parshat Shlach? HaShav Tzitzit, right? Now, you're, you're a member of B'nai Yisrael, and you hear that everybody's supposed to put Tzitzit on their garments. Tzitzit. You ever hear that word before? If you're in the Midbar, you certainly have, because you heard that there's one person by the name of Aaron who's going to wear a Tzitz. So Korach's argument makes a lot of sense. Kol Baruch just gave us a mitzvah where everybody's <laughs> a Kohen And that's the famous Tanchuma, about Korach and his Eidah with the Tzitzit. You know, they all came out with Begit shikol Chelet, and Challenge Moshe. That's the, it's part of the tie-in. Sorry for the pun. <coughs> it was deliberate. Okay. Um, Sforno, Sforno. Avad Yusforno, 15th century Livorno. He says something which is sounds like the Ibn Ezra, but it's different. He says something that sounds like the Ibn Ezra. Watch what he says. karov when you think about what that means. What is Kriya? Kriya is symbolic of terrible loss. Now, many people around the table, like myself, have torn Kriya in the past. Right? I've torn Kriya th- uh, four times. brother died, my father died, my mother died, my rabbi died. Now, what kind of Kriya is it? Well, the reality is that if you have a relative who's perhaps fairly distant, or perhaps was very old and had been sick for a long time. The Kriya is very different than the Kriya for a parent you've been taking care of day in, day out. Or Kriya for somebody who tragically is killed below eight, you know, in tragic circumstances. It's a very different kind of Kriya. In one sense, the Kriya is sort of like a sense of finality. In another, it's a sense of destruction. Of everything. My whole world's been destroyed. It's fun talking talking about that. He says, it's inappropriate to demonstrate and act out as if my entire world has been destroyed when I have a greater relative still alive. That's what he says. You should never be totally overwhelmed. This is Probably the word he means, he would say in English. Overwhelmed by sadness. And by and by, sense of tragedy with the loss of one of the one of your loved ones when the, the biggest loved one is here forever, right? Which again is similar to the answer, but it's not the same because here he's talking about that particular relationship. Not that I trust that whatever God does is for the good, but the fact is I'm not all alone. I'm not all alone. Um, and then he continues. And notice, he says, you should also not feel too sad for what the mate is undergoing. What does that mean? In other words, his take on it, and this is part of Sforno's anthropology, which is something that pops up many times in his commentary, his understanding of what the mindset of 2500 years earlier, 2800 years earlier is that is that um, that Kriya was both a sense of absolute devastation and identification with the turmoil that the mate is undergoing. So he says absolute devastation you don't have because God's still here God's here forever and and identification with the turmoil that the mate is undergoing I'm kadoshata. And if you're an Amkadosh, that means you've got an Olam Haba. That means your mate is going to Olam Haba. And you don't need to feel that sort of... Devise, which, by the way, within our literature, there's a whole range of different opinions about how that plays out. Uh, the famous uh, Rabbeinu Tam, not to, teach to not to drink water then, because that's when the Metim are getting their last bit of water before they go back to Gadam for the week. It's a lot of very interesting, interesting material, but he takes a different take. He said, since... And he says, that's why Amkadoshata. Why mention Am Kadosh? Do I mention the two things? So, according to the Ramban, Am Kadosh is to say, you're all koani. According to the Sforno, Am Kadosh is, you don't need to worry about the second half of things, which is about the turmoil of the dead because I'm Okay. Now, the interesting thing is that all four of these comments, we're going to wind this up soon, all four of these comments have one thing in common, because they really stretch. You think about the stretch between Rashi and the Sforno is, is wide is the one thing they have in common is they I, is they look at the Pasuk in isolation. Now I raised the question before, what's this whole Parsha doing here at all? In other words, you want to explain why Banima HaTem leads to Lotit Kondu? Fine. But then you got a bigger problem, which is what's this whole Parsha doing here? Comes along the Chizkuni, that's why I put him last, even though he's actually earlier than the Forno. the Chizkuni, Chizkia ben Manoach uh, in Provence in the 13th century, says the following thing, and he puts it in connection to the Parsha. Ta- turn turn back and take a look at Parsha Bet. Parsha Bet immediately precedes our Parsha. What's Parsha Bet about? So it's a good trivia quiz. It's one of the three halachot in the Torah that at least according to one opinion of Chazal never happened and never will happen. What's the most famous thing? that lo'nivra, lo'atit liyot, vensar mora? That's one opinion. Then Yohanan says, I sat on his grave. What? Irani d'achat and bayit menugat. Rabbi Lazar and Baitman, the house. So Irani Dachat, which is an opinion in Masachat Sanhedrin whether it ever happened, but the parsha of Irani Dachat involves really wiping out an entire town. So the and that's immediately before Matem. So the Chizkuni says, take a look at the juxtaposition. There's a reason for it here. Watch what he says. Nismachan, number five at the bottom, he saw Ha Parsha Zuli Khan here. Shiloit Go do. In other words, maybe, and this takes us back to the Egel. Remember in the Egel, what did Moshe say? The people would be killing their own family who were involved in the Egel. Maybe when you went ahead and did what your you were commanded, you ended up killing or seeing the death of a family relative. What's the connection? Don't be that sad about stuff even if you don't understand it. This is exactly what like Ibn Ezra. And now he's looking at the connection. What's the connection between the reaction to the mate and the Yorani Dachat? It's because the Yorani you may have actually seen the death of somebody who's close to you. Right? Which by the way would then put um, the, um, this, uh, this whole piece in a different light. Now it's about sort of seeing the death of the close within the larger picture, not of God's actions, but rather of national will, of national welfare. Which, of course, is a very difficult thing. And then he says, and why Am Kadosh? He, at the bottom he says, Ve'encha roshai l'navel atzmecha that goes back to Rashi since you're an Am Kadosh, you can't degrade yourself and make yourself look all terrible okay but I promised Sheish Kishot right here's five and the truth is that they're they're close the Ibn is kind of close to the Sefarno and the Chizkuni borrows from Rashi and sounds a little bit kind of like the Ibn Ezra in another case right there's some bleeding over but the larger question why Banim matem laShem Elokei is situated right here so turn the page one more time and look at the last paragraph the last paragraph is a selection it's all in order but it's just with a lot of ellipses a selection from what comes immediately after Bani Matem we looked at what came before which is the Dachat, look what happens right afterwards right after Bani Matem comes Aser ta Aser you bring your Masroth, and by the way when you bring your Masroth to Yushalayim who, what does Zara command you? don't ignore the poor don't ignore, and who are the famous four poor, all throughout the Vayim? they make their starring appearance in Parshat Reh many times People who just don't have land. They don't have wherewithal. So when you come to Yerushalayim to celebrate the Makoma She'ib the place that Hashem chooses, to celebrate with the bounty that God blessed you with, make sure to include the Levi. Don't leave them alone. What's the next parsha? Take a look here in, in Gimel. After three years, you have to bring out all of your Masrot. And you have to give it to whom? The Ger, the Yatom, the Almanah, and the Levi. Good. What's next? Every seven years, you have Shemitah Safim. And what's the concern when Shemitah Safim is going to happen? Therefore, you may not want to do what? Lend money to the poor because you're afraid you think they're cancelled. That's the pasut that, of course, led to Hillel's famous prose bowl. And then what happens next? What's the next parasha? By the way, this is in sequence. What's the next parsha? The next parsha is the parsha of Evan Ivri. You have an Eved who comes to work for you. You have to let him go. I don't let him go after seven years. You have to send him away with a big tip. And it's something to get started with. Right, You have to, you have to en- enable him to get started on his own. What do all these things have in common? They have one thing in common, and that is you've got to take care of each other. And the, those among you who are fortunate and blessed have an obligation to take care of the ones who are not fortunate and have not been blessed. So whether it's the levy who has to be taken care of when you come to the place that Hashem chooses and you give him from your throat, whether it is Maser Ani that's given in the third year and the sixth year whether it is lending money to somebody who needs it or whether it's even an Evan who's going to descend into this low position you have to honor him Tov Machi you have to treat him like an equal in your own house and then when he leaves and you have to make sure he doesn't stay more than six years take a look at your Meyau Lama Dal to see what happens when you do and then you send him away you have to give him lots of stuff and lots of gift and Mishnes Chash understand he worked double hard for you whatever Mishnes right? mean, Sakhir mean, mean lots of different approaches. So, mei banim atem is actually a caption for this whole section, which is, what is, and many of us are parents, what is the greatest Nahat that we get? The greatest nachat we get, you may be scratching your heads for a second, I'll say it, and then you'll nod your head, when our kids play nice together, or put it in a bigger fashion, when our kids take care of each other. And it becomes, when you get older and your kids become adults, it becomes a bigger issue because when one of them, let's say, has fallen on hard times, the other one, it's such a tremendous thing. But even when you see younger kids and they're together and they squabble and they squabble but the minute that they're, one of them fall, the other ones there to pick them up. One of the be- beautiful pictures that I have is hiking and watching my kids at a distance arm in arm. It's like, and what's the biggest sorrow? The biggest sorrow for a parent, above anything else, is see their kids not getting along. It's a terrible thing. So, so, so what does Kodesh Baruch Hu wants from you? Take care of each other. You're all brothers. You're all my sons, so you're all brothers. Brothers and sisters, take care of each other. Worry about each other. The ones who are less fortunate, make sure to support them and bring them up. And then the Shalosh HaGalim comes in because what are the Shalosh R'galim all premised on? God gives you lots of produce, you come and celebrate with Him. Make sure to include the poor in it, make sure to include the disenfranchised, but understand that all of that blessing is because... You're my family, and therefore you my family You've got to take care of each other. It's all tied in together. So the Lotik Godudu sort of becomes the springboard for this whole discussion. Is you're a sanctified nation, you should behave like dignified people, Rashi, you should trust that you have this relationship with Akkordish Baruch, Hu, Ibn Ezra, you should understand that no matter what happens, you still have that Sforno. Right? And you should make sure the longer picture is not just what it tells you not to do which is not to act in a degrading way and not to lose it as if the whole world's crumbled around you when you have a Baruch Hu but don't forget you also have, you also have the rest of Kuala Yisrael you also have the rest of Kuala Yisrael which by the way is something that plays out in a beautiful way when we are Menachem Avel I'm going from here to the valley because uh, Ruthie Teichman is, just came back this morning she's sitting for one day so uh, what do we say when you have Menachem Avel? her sister passed away what do we say when we have Menachem Avel what do we say you're not alone on the one hand we're coming to your house because right now you're feeling the devastation on the other hand you're not alone we're all mourners we're all mourners for line, and we're now a- asking that our Baruch, who has comforted us will comfort you and so I'm going to add a sixth point it's not just don't cut yourself because you're holy don't cut yourself because you're noble don't cut yourself because you should trust that Hashem did it for the best. Don't cut yourself because you still got the best relative around. Don't cut yourself because you may have just seen the death of a loved one in Iran. But don't cut yourself because you still have Kali Yisrael with you. Because Banimatem. You got a whole mishpach out there, which is 12 million, 13 million strong, however many strong, and as a result of that, and that's the Am Kadosh. What makes you guys... So special in such family, the fact that you're Am know, Kadosh, that Hashem selected, and that you have this whole rigor of behavior that also defines you as a community, and that becomes, of course, the a, a great measure of consolation in difficult times.